0: Support for this podcast comes from Aegis Living. Caring for an older parent isn't easy, especially when Dad insists on doing everything himself. You want to see him safe, healthy, and happy. From caring staff to keeping families and residents connected, that's Aegis Living. Welcoming respite stays. Aegisliving.com
2: From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We all know California is a progressive leaning blue state, but it also has big patches of red where lots of people live who really like Donald Trump. In the Central Valley, KQED's Alex Hall spoke to Republicans about their reactions to this week's insurrection on Capitol Hill that was stoked by Trump's words.
3: Outside Fresno Ag, a hardware store in central Fresno, Bonnie Nutter called the events at the Capitol Wednesday disgusting. She thinks they painted an inaccurate picture of Trump supporters.
4: I think a lot of it was the Antifa and BLM stealing the Trump flags and playing like they were Trump people.
3: Nutter's friend, Joan Oakes, agrees. Despite President Trump's calls to supporters to go to the Capitol, Oakes does not believe his supporters led the mob. She still supports the president. It's just a shame that they had to do this to Trump. He's been
5: maligned for four years now. And to have this happen at the end of his presidency,
3: that man doesn't deserve it. The theory that Trump supporters didn't lead the violence is circulating on social media without evidence to support it. Fresno County Republican Party Chairman Fred Vanderhoof said he heard about it on the news.
0: Those ones that went into the Capitol were not representative uh, 99.9% of all the other people. We had old ladies, we had young kids, we had people from every demographic, every background.
3: Vanderhoof says it was wrong for some Trump supporters to enter the Capitol, but he also thinks it's hypocritical for Democrats to condone protests nationwide over the summer and criticize Wednesday's violence. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno.
2: Even as America is in the midst of a presidential transition crisis, the coronavirus pandemic continues to take its toll. In California, the virus is claiming about 360 lives a day and infecting thousands more. In overburdened hospitals, doctors and nurses are both exhausted and angry. Angry at people who are either blasé about COVID's dangers or just out and out pandemic deniers. For an in-depth look, here's KQED science reporter Leslie McClurg.
4: At her hospital in Orange County, Dr. Dinora Chinchia says they don't have enough beds. So they've had to change the criteria for who qualifies for critical care. In other words, you have to be sicker to be admitted to the ICU now. All I see is sick, 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 and a lot of death. Recently, Chinchia called me, crying on her drive home after losing so many patients in just a few days. I've never lost that many patients in a short period of time. Here's what she faces daily— Ambulances lined up around the block, patients in large white pop-up tents, halls overflowing. Chinchia tries to hold back tears when she gets home, and her little kids run towards her after a long day.
5: Because I don't want them to to see me sad.
4: They give me a big hug and they say, Mommy, I'm a hero too. Back in the spring, Chinchia felt supported as a hero in her community. But now she feels betrayed. Every time I see people on social media like, Having parties or gatherings, I literally say unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. I just can't take it anymore. The selfishness. Another doctor in Orange County recently urged folks to stay home over the holidays in an Instagram post. Dr. Victor Cisneros says it was met by an assault of profane pandemic denial. He likens that to denying a soldier's experience on the battlefield.
2: Where he's getting shot at and fired at, you know, and maybe in Iraq. And then people that are not there on the ground saying, this isn't real, you're not being shot at, this is fake.
4: He's floored that people refuse to wear masks and continue to believe things that are
2: untrue. Or they think there's like microchips in the vaccines or they think that there's, you know, really bad side effects. And so I think that's very demoralizing sometimes as a healthcare provider where you're doing everything, you're putting so much work. And then there's a stronghold on the other side, increasing the spread.
4: I would say anger. I would say sadness. Dr. Don Harris is the chief of medicine at Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, an overwhelmed facility in a small town northeast of Sacramento. You spend a shift taking care of people in your own community, and
5: then you leave and you're seeing people protesting, having to wear a mask. And you're thinking, okay, but if you get sick, I'm going to be here for you. And that's hard. That is the thing that hurts
4: me the most inside. She knows she can't afford to catch the virus. We don't have that many doctors. If I get sick, you lose me. Everyone I spoke with talked about this disconnect. The general public just doesn't get their reality. Brittany Watson is an emergency room nurse in Oakland. They don't see the people who are
1: being rushed to the hospital who are like fishes out of water who can't breathe.
4: Watson remembers the first time she was alone with a patient who died of COVID-19. There would be a
1: whole family and, and group of friends that would be standing here surrounding this person as they leave this world, and instead they're left with me.
4: A nurse covered in plastic from head to toe. Visitors aren't allowed inside most hospitals right now. The patient couldn't even see the care in Watson's face. They can only see this two to three inch window, my eyes and eyebrows, and that's the last person who's going to be with them. Currently, a tidal wave of COVID-19 is toppling her hospital. Watson says it feels like the virus saturates every crevice.
1: When I'm at work, it feels like the walls are coming
4: in. The facility is in the midst of its second internal outbreak. Doctors like Don Harris at Sierra Nevada Hospital want these holiday surges to be the last.
5: I can't underestimate the excitement and the hope that I have attached
4: to this vaccine and that other people in my position have. It's the first time that we've used the word hope. But the Christmas wave is just beginning to hit. A new year surge is still a few weeks away, and many cold months lie ahead before the vaccine will start to slow the virus. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg.
2: Over 2.5 million coronavirus cases have been confirmed in California, and 28,000 people have died from the virus. Since so much spread is connected to where we go, a new state public health advisory is asking Californians to avoid traveling more than 120 miles from their homes, unless that travel is absolutely essential. And the state has also issued a new health order to try to ease the strain on overburdened hospitals. KPCC's Jackie Fortier has more about that.
4: The state's
1: public health officer has ordered that hospitals in regions with few or no ICU beds postpone non-essential surgeries for at least three weeks. That covers every county in Southern California. Hospitals that have room must also accept patients from other facilities that have maxed out their intensive care beds. That's the case at Memorial Hospital of Gardena. Chief Medical Officer Kevin Metcalf says he has 30 ICU patients, but just 10 ICU beds.
2: We're really trying to work hard with county EMS to stop sending ambulances to my hospital because I'm over capacity triple the normal level, whereas the hospital down the street may only be at 100% capacity.
1: Under the order, patients in Southern California could be transferred hundreds of miles north just to get care. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los
2: Angeles. The storming of the U.S. Capitol this week by a pro-Trump mob was an awful episode in American history, but it also provides a teaching moment for California educators who are leading difficult discussions about what happened and why. With more, here's KQED's Vanessa Rancaño.
1: On Thursday morning, Mary Vanesit wanted to help her students process the violence they'd heard about this week. She started by showing her third graders photos of the insurrection.
0: Hey, Mason, how do you feel? Depressed, sad, and kind of angry.
1: Vanesit, who teaches in the Fairfield Sassoon School District, asked her students to write about their feelings. In Oakland, fifth grade teacher Jamila Brooks drew a connection to the American history her students are studying.
5: So you are living in what people will talk about and study, like we study events in history in many, many years from now.
1: Ten-year-old Micaiah Watson shared his reaction.
2: I noticed when you look at the crowd on the news, not to criticize, but it's almost all white people, white supremacists. I'm a little scared the fact that our country is in this type of chaos.
5: I I totally get that Um, and I want you all to know it is okay to feel scared. A lot of us do. I think what's important is that we're all safe.
1: At the high school level, Principal Blaine Watson, who teaches at a charter school in Watts, was grappling with the weight of teaching this moment.
2: I say that I was up all night thinking about uh, the responsibility
1: after seeing Trump supporters able to enter the Capitol and fly a Confederate flag, Watson worries his students are in danger of losing all faith in government.
2: You know, students of color and communities of color have a lot of doubt about you know if about the establishment, if it's if it's here really to support us or not.
1: Next week, Watson plans to convene a deeper discussion of what the events mean to this black and Latinx community. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancano.
2: Let's turn now to how people in college are reacting to this week's chaos in DC. Cal State Los Angeles senior Marisa Martinez got reactions from two of her fellow students.
5: Diana Chavez is a senior political science major at Cal State LA. When the riots broke out in DC, she was in the kitchen with her mother preparing arrozca, a sweet bread made during Dia de los Reyes, a traditional holiday.
1: You know, that's what I was currently doing, working on making that, making hot chocolate for the family when, you know, the news was on and that's when we heard everything.
5: With their family television on, Chavez tried her best to make sense of the event herself while translating what was happening to her family, whose first language is Spanish.
1: It was very hectic doing all those three things, making hot chocolate, trying to, you know, come to realization what was going on, and as well as translating
5: it to my family. Chavez is studying political science because she hopes to be a U.S. Senator one day, and watching the insurrection unfold reminded her why. This actually makes me even more motivated to, to do what I want to do. Chavez was also active in the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer. And so is Annabel Rangel, another Cal State LA political science student. Rangel saw a stark contrast between the way law enforcement treated rioters at the Capitol and her own protest experiences. They didn't treat them nearly, not even half the way that they treat students and Black Lives Matter organizers and movement leaders. They completely just kind of let them go. Because of her experiences with Black Lives Matter protests, Rangel decided she wants to be a political science professor to teach students about how political ideals can unite or divide a nation. Sometimes in political science, you almost have to see both sides and then the middle ground. And quite honestly, it's really difficult to even see the middle ground during these days. So I really just want to educate people as to what's going on and how we can move into a better world. Both Chavez and Renjo believe that change can come only if steps are taken to make it, a task that both of these students are willing to take on. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Martinez from Rancho Cucamonga.
2: That story comes out of a partnership between KQED and the Cal Matters College Journalism Network. And that's the California Report for Friday, January 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Holly J. McDeed. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Have a great weekend and
0: talk next week. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Paint Care, now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with Instant Pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.
5: Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on the political scene a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.